Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny V, podcast host and children's author. I also do some work in publishing in acquisitions and publicity. As we hurdle towards one million plays, we'll continue to provide you with the conversational, vulnerable, honest and fun chats with your favourite authors across all genres. Check out our takeover episodes, usually released on a Friday, and our spin-offs released during the month. Thank you for being here, being part of the journey, and supporting Aussie Creatives. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome Lynn Johnson. Lynn writes crime and thrillers with feeling that tap into conversations that reflect society. Today, we're going to talk about the crime story, The Bait Trap. Welcome to the podcast, Lynn. Thanks so much for having me, Danny. I'm thrilled to be here. It's lovely to have you. And um, from reading this book over the weekend, I love a bit of crime. So hit me with an elevator pitch as to what this book is about. Sure. Um, so it's set in a fictional town in the Riverina called Coinda in 2021 uh, in the middle of a mouse plague and bushfires have featured in the recent past as well. Um, uh, the uh, beloved uh, husband, farmer and family man, uh, John Judd, has gone missing. Um, he failed to return after harvesting one day. Uh, he's not too good to be true, but almost. Um, <laughs> then we have um, the detective Zach Byrne, um, who is uh, the action switches to a rehab centre in Sydney, uh, where he has gone ostensibly to address his alcoholism, but really to get his wife Jenny off his back. Um, Jenny visits him in the rehab centre and tells him that their marriage is over. Um, and then um, shortly after that, Byrne learns that his career's been put on ice as well due to a botched raid, principally as a result of his um, heavy drinking. So Byrne rolls into town in Coinda. He partners up with the local cop, uh, who's Marco Bosic, who's a little bit too relaxed and trusting for Byrne's liking. And together they try and unravel what happened to John Judd. And what Burns soon realises is that Judd is not the clean skin that everyone thought he was, um, that he had a secret bush cabin uh, that's kept far from prying eyes and that it may hold uh, all the, the uh, answers to his disappearance if they could only find it. I can never um, imagine that a secret bush cabin has good secrets in it, Lynn. <laughs> That's right. There's nothing good about it. <laughs> nothing good about it at all. Now, in crime, particularly in this crime novel as well, setting is always important. It's almost another character. Tell me about this bush town. Tell me about this bush cabin and why it really adds to the story and the mystery and the compelling nature of it. Well, it's um, it's, it's a bush cabin that no one knows about. Um, Burn goes there at least once a week. Um, I don't want to give too much away um, to um, carry on as a secret aspect of his life. Yeah, and I definitely don't um, want to do spoilers, but I'm just thinking like yeah. there's something to be said about the Australian bush, you yeah. know, that is sort of unrelenting, that's unknown, that's scary, that's hidden. So all of those things must have helped to capture the story and the characters. Uh, it, it did, um, but I, I particularly like 
the um the aspect of the mouse play mm. um because you know i i read a lot of bush noir and i hadn't read um a book before that was set in the middle of a mouse play and i know that a lot of people in regional areas have recently yeah. lived through one i and remember those photos they're just horrific <laughs> we're not just talking about um you know maybe 10 or 20 mice mm. we're talking about a road carpeted with mice sort of like Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds but with mice. Wow I don't even know what to do with that information. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're talking a lot about the characters and you know the botched raid all of those things and so I always find it really interesting when you are writing you know a crime with a police procedural in it what is the research that you have to do for that to make sure that it's spot on? Um, I was very fortunate to um, have access to a retired police officer. Um, How handy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) She was, um, she wasn't a detective, but she was a police prosecutor and a crime scene um, investigator as well as general duty. So she'd done, you know, pretty much um, everything. Um, And I first met with her armed armed with a list of questions um, and we just went through them and I just, you know, I asked her all the questions and um, just things like I asked her, okay, her name was Melanie Cage. I said, okay, Mel, um, what year did you join the police academy? And she said, well, I, I joined, um, I joined, I think it was, I think it was the 70s. Anyway, she said, um, no, it would have been the 80s. And she said, I was the last intake um, of police where um, you um, just did a written test. We just had a little face-to-face interview. There was no physical to speak of. All we did was run around the Surrey Hills car park and they said, yep, you're accepted. (laughs) And (laughs) it's those little tidbits um, that you weave into a novel that um, I think Kate Forsyth and um, oh, other other authors too uh, call it, spe- uh, Al Alvarez, call it specificity. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the little details that allow, minute details that allow your readers to suspend disbelief and feel that they're having a really authentic um, experience and that they're actually there in, you know, in the shoes of the the, um, rookie constable, you know, at the police academy. And there's no substitute for speaking to people who who actually have that lived experience. That's what I always think with a police procedure. You just need that person there, you know, to help you out with that because if you get it wrong, you will definitely, readers will definitely be willing to tell you if you get it wrong. (laughs) I do. Now you tap into some important issues, one of them the coal seam gas mining um, situation. So why was this important for you to explore in this book? Um, I think it. I think it's important because it's a, it's a, an experience or a dilemma that a lot of regional towns uh, face. So um, they're, they're sort of stuck in this tension between wanting to be cat dragged kicking and screaming into the twenty first century and um, urbanising 
their, their towns and also finding jobs and opportunities for the young folk, um, but at the same time um, contemplating the destruction of the, the fabric of their society, really. So it's it's quite a paradoxical um, situation to be in. And then, of course, you know, there's, there's other um, aspects of it like skyrocketing crime and, um, and then the destruction of the environs when, you know, the land's been mined and everyone's packed up and gone home. Mm. Yeah, no, they're really important issues. And I like how they sort of just sit in the, you know, they're an issue in there, but they're not the main action of the novel. Yeah. But I still think it gets readers thinking about it. I think that's what's really important about all novels, but particularly crime fiction seems to do it really well. Um, you talked about your characters a little bit and, you know, characters are very important in crime. You talked about Zach, Marco and Judge, and without giving, Judd, sorry, without giving too much away. Um, tell us about, as a writer, the process that you use to develop them. Um. For me, um, the character always comes first. Um, so I started with um, Zach Byrne, the alcoholic detective, and with his love interest, Thea Judd, who's the victim's daughter. Um, I wanted to have two alcoholics, uh, two protagonists um, who were recovering alcoholics because, you know, I've read a lot of crime and... I was hard pushed to find any crime that had um, alcoholics that had an authentic path to recovery. And that's okay. Um, that obviously wasn't the focus of all those books. Um, but I thought um, I, I wanted to write a book about um, alcoholics that had faced their demons, um, who had um, done some work on themselves, been forgiven. Um, and redeemed and experience the freedom that that forgiveness brings and yeah that's really what what the book is about I also uh, like those those two characters um are very much influenced by my own recovery um and you know I had you know I when I got sober I had a lot of guilt and shame attached to the things I'd done and said when I was drinking and guilt and shame are okay as long as you do something positive with it. With it. And this book is my attempt to um, destigmatize alcoholics and um, send a message that there is a solution and that no matter how far down the track you go with your addiction, um, there, there is a solution mm -hmm. and your experience can always help others to recover. Yeah, and I also think as well, you know, when someone is an addict or they do something perhaps that they shouldn't, it's easy to just go, oh, you know, well, just go and get the help you need. But I actually think books like these show how difficult these addictions are. And I think that's really important too, to see both sides of everything. The recovery obviously is really important and an ideal situation, but also the struggle that people go through, you know, either if it's addiction or alcoholism or mental health or whatever. I don't, I think if you haven't experienced that, it's really hard to understand how difficult these things are to overcome. That's right. And a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people live their whole lives in addiction and they don't realise that there is a solution. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of work with um, alcoholics and addicts in the correct, correctional facilities, so prisons. Um, and when you explain to them that there is a solution mm. and that they need not spend the rest of their life um, 
going in yeah. and out of prison and committing crimes because of principally because of their addiction, it's like these people have been told that it's like they've been given the holy grail. Yeah, absolutely. And so for you, having a personal experience attached to that, was it a cathartic or confronting experience or combination of the two? It, it, was, it was really cathartic. But it was, you know, as I touched on before, it was my attempt to um, achieve something positive out of the negative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also hopefully start a conversation between, you know, people that will lead to alcoholics and addicts, you know, being treated in sort of with, with more kindness in society. Mm. Um, and also... I mean, I'm hoping people will pick up the book and have an aha moment and think, oh, that was why that person seemed to be drinking against their will and that was why that person seemed to be uh, impervious to the carnage that they were creating in the family unit and in society. Yeah, absolutely. And the book is pretty much about powerlessness but also about forgiveness and that leading to that sense of that freedom of not only the way you perceive yourself, but the freedom in which, you know, others see you when you live your life. So they're important messages too. Yeah, that's right. It's about, you know, it's about powerlessness and it's not just about sort of powerless over powerlessness over, you know, alcohol or whatever your mm. drug of choice is. Um, it's about powerlessness over pretty much everything <laughs> which we've all experienced whether it's in relationships or mental health or addiction or parenthood or whatever i think we've all experienced that in some shape or form and really um i think powerlessness is really pertinent to the whole um experience of writing a book because mm. when i sat down to write this book in june of 2021 i thought what if i can't get an agent what if i can't get a publisher what if it's never published what if no one buys it? Oh, what the what if ifs of being it? a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and I listened to the TED Talk by Jane Harper, Creativity in Your Control. It's only eight minutes. And the substance of that is just concentrate on those things that you can control and forget all the noise in the background that I've just articulated just concentrate on getting your book properly properly edited, getting the proper subject matter experts like, you know, your police procedural person, um, getting a professional cover done, um, getting, you know, proper marketing, you know, all that, you know, all those things. And if you focus on those aspects of the journey to publication that you can influence and forget about all the other aspects, then I think you'll have a more positive experience. Yeah, absolutely. And what's writing without a bit of rejection on the side? I mean, it's part and parcel with what we do, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to ask you a question. You said you read a lot of crime, as do I. I love, I love crime fiction of all the different subgenres in between. Uh, but why did you choose to write crime? Was it just that love or was it something else? I love um, in the same way that um, people are curious about other people who are so filthy rich, you know, like <laughs> think of succession. Think oh, of yep. 
crazy <laughs> mutations. Um, I think that um, other uh, readers are curious about what it is that um, leads someone to take another's life in a premeditated way, um, how they had gone undetected for so long in society and the shockwaves that, um, that the act, the criminal act, um, sent through their family and society. Um, yeah, and I'm just, yeah, I also, so I'm really, I'm really curious about those things too. Um, and I think that crime is, um, it's a really good vehicle to examine humanity yeah. because it gives you permission to peel back the facade and um, look at the seedy underbelly of, you know, the hu humanity, of, yeah. you know, human condition and, for, and question what is it that that um, drives people to commit, you know, dark acts like this. I think you're right. I think crime just offers so much as a genre. And like I mentioned before, you know, you've got all the subgenres in between, your thrillers and your horrors and your cosies and all of those things. I mean, it's endless. I mean, the amount of noirs I've heard, you know, bush noir, um, was it breastfeeding noir? I've heard them all now. So oh, <laughs> there's a lot. Um, but I think what it does really well, it, it always has, you know, a great setting that's almost a character. Then it has, you know, these great characters in conflict. And then, as you said, it reflects society. But it also questions our own, you know, what ifs and morality as well, which I like. You know, what would you do in this situation? It's easy to judge people from the outside sitting at home. But when you start to delve into crime, you know, what would you do if you you know, X, Y, or Z, and how would you react? So I think it offers us, you know, the opportunity to be entertained, but also the opportunity to reflect on ourselves as well. I, I think that's right. And um, the thing I love about crime is there is a resolution mm. and there is a solution. Yeah. Um, whereas all too often in other genres and in life, really, <laughs> You know, well, there's a safety, right? There's a safety, particularly with crime and romance, I think, because even though there are going to be conflicts and complications, you kind of know where you're going to get to at the end, which is nice. That's because right. you said life doesn't provide you with that. <laughs> so, no, it doesn't. And there's something I, I love a book that has a resolution in the end. And I think there's something really satisfying about crime because it, it always does offer a resolution. Yeah, it does. And I think there's that sense of justice as well, because sometimes there can be little things that are sort of left, which I think are okay, but that sense of, of whatever, however you get to the end, there's that sense of justice, which I think is important when you're reading or writing crime, because that doesn't, again, always happen in life. No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so what was your writing process for this book? You know, I'm just interested. There are plotters, there are pantsers, there are people in between. What is your process for writing crime? Because I find crime... A difficult genre to write because you have to you know sort of keep people guessing there are little red herrings throughout someone has to have done it in the end um and sometimes you don't even know that as a writer and you don't want the reader to guess too early you don't want the reader to get the end and go that doesn't work i always love it when i read a crime novel and about 70 75 percent in i guess i guess the outcome i think that's it that's I enjoy that. But any earlier, it's a bit disappointing. So what was your process for pinpointing, you know, when you were meant to have the different points in the book? Um, well, I, you know, I very, um, I very much follow the traditional framework 
of almost fiction, really. So, you know, first turning point, second turning point, midpoint reversal, climax and resolution. Um, so I think as most fiction writers do, I, you know, followed that framework. But um, I, it, I did a lot of research. So I spent about three months researching the book. Um, I, I get a lot of my inspiration from legal cases. I'm, I'm a lawyer, so um, I in, in researching what it is that makes someone murder another yeah. person, I stumbled across this British case. Um, and there's nothing remarkable about the case from a legal perspective, but it related to this um, retired colonel who lived in Britain who got a pest controller to come and remove a wasp nest from his house. Um, shortly after that, he had a casual relationship with the pest controller. He then was um, blackmailed by him. Um, he refused to pay the money and um, subsequent to that was killed as a result of it. Wow. Um, so I, I get a lot of my inspiration from other legal cases. Mm. Um, so I, the book was inspired by that case. Um, I wrote, I used Scrivener to, you know, to, to write it. Um, I wrote the climax last mm -hmm. um, because I think everything, all the plot points, all the character development should funnel towards the climax. So I'm very much um, a plot and I'm an industrial strength plotter. <laughs> um, and so once I knew what the climax held, I then I did a very um, detailed synopsis and then I beefed that up until the synopsis was, I don't know, maybe four pages long. And then in Scrivener, in all the tiles in Scrivener, so that are listed down the left side, I, I listed all my scenes. I then just did a summary of each scene. So, you know, scene you can, one. It's safe is, to say you're a planner. I'm, I'm very much a planner. Yeah. That might be and the then, lawyer coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then each day I wrote it in quite a linear fashion. Mm -hmm. um, each day I would just write, you know, one, one or two scenes or three scenes. Um, and it's if you chunk it down, you know, some people think, oh, happy to write a book, it's so overwhelming. If you chunk it down and think, okay, today I'm going to write three scenes. I'm writing these three scenes, and I'm going to I'm going to fix one plot point. Yeah. So if you set those goals for yourself, then slowly, mm. you know, that's actually book. how I look at every day. I'm like, how am I supposed to get all these things done? Just like one thing at a time. Cross it off, next thing. It's a good way exactly. to write. Nice, no, very pragmatic way to write. Now, a question I ask all the authors and creatives that come onto the podcast, uh, why do you write? I write because um, it's it's how I breathe. It's <laughs> like when I first started when I first started writing this book of June of, in June of 2021, it after about over three decades of legal practice, it was like someone had given me an oxygen mask. Mm -hmm. And the first time in my life, I was able to make sense of, you know, the world around me and why people did the things they did and, 
and you know said the things they said. So it very much it allows me to interrogate you know world events and you know why people behave the way they do. Um, and it was also you know in terms of my recovery from alcoholism, it was very cathartic because mm. I was able to turn a negative like my experience of getting sober into a positive, hopefully, that will yeah. lead to other people realising there is a solution. Mm. So much, so much in one novel, which I love, which is crime, which is exactly what crime fiction is. Uh, thank you so much for having a chat with me and also being really honest and vulnerable. These are often hard things to talk about, but I think important things to talk about because, you know, if you want to start conversations about these things, and this is the start of how to do that. So thank you for talking about The Bait Trap and all things crime fiction and uh, giving a little bit of yourself in that as well. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. It was just awesome.